Andino, Andina, the story continues. The communal pods were situated behind the community centre. In the time it took us to walk there, Risha filled us in on the basics. The practice here is so much more holistic in its approach than to sow or plant in harmony with the cycles of nature and the moon, though that is observed too. It's widely accepted that that which is grown with love by people who truly care about both the produce and their fellow beings is far superior in flavour and nutrients. The same goes for cooking. Resentful work carried out by someone who'd rather spend the time in some other way robs the food of the most important nutrient, in my opinion, love. It's widely accepted that what we choose to eat nourishes more than just our physical bodies. That's a sound guideline, Tonio agreed as we arrived. I don't know what I had expected when I heard the words growing pods. They're sort of sunk down into the ground a bit, I offered, sounding lame even to my own ears. Indeed, Risha laughed, and that's not all. Come on in. She held the door open for Tonio and me. Warm, moist air scented with a tantalizing mix of damp earth, herbs and growing vegetables welcomed us. We followed the stone steps down into the greenery. Baskets of withered strawberry plants decorated one wall near the entrance. It's a greenhouse, I said, true to form stating the obvious. Well, yes and no, not quite. Or perhaps you could call it a super greenhouse. How come? As you already discovered, the pods are partially subterran. Like a wallipini, I said, enormously chuffed I'd remembered the word at the right time. Yes, that was the original inspiration, only we've upped the idea a little. Come with me. Risha ducked under a variety of pumpkins suspended from the rafters. Wow, I never knew they grew like that, Tonya marvelled. These communal pods are tended by a team interested in growing food. The purpose, of course, is to cover shortfalls elsewhere, and in case of misgrowth and other unexpected occurrences. I help out in this one. Even schools have their own pods, both for teaching cultivation and cooking, and for food. Everybody has to learn to grow, regardless of whether they choose to do so later or not. This pod is for trying out new strains and species from seeds collected in other parts of the nation. It's winter, so there's not too much going on here right now. That seemed to contradict what my eyes were taking in. And the material on top is where it starts to get extra interesting. Aha! Tonya looked ready to burst as if the big secret of life was about to be revealed to him. I was chewing on a purple basil leaf I'd picked from a hanging basket. It looks like good old plastic, but something in that look on your face tells me it probably isn't. Tonya chuckled. And you'd be right. It looks similar to your plastic, but that's where the similarities end. It's made from starchy, fibrous vegetables. Risha mentioned the Latin name, which I promptly forgot. It's built up of layers and layers, almost like fiberglass, but more flexible and infinitely stronger. Like rice paper envelopes, I suggested. Ever try to rip one of those? I don't know, Risha said, but that's not all. They're sun active. What, like photochromatic vegetable plastic substitute? Tonya said. Not exactly. The pod tops are sun-active, meaning they shade not unlike photochromatic glass when it gets too hot, 
but they also work as a kind of technically advanced solar panel and are connected to an equally intelligent storage heater system underground. When the temperature inside the pod reaches a certain level, the excess is stored underground and later released again as heat when the temperature drops, for example at night. It is very energy efficient, making sure it never falls below 3 degrees above freezing. And because the pods are already half underground and south-facing, they keep a nice constant all year round. It is regulated by a thermostat, of course, so you can adjust it to suit for new growth, storage, peak season, etc. Wow! Just wow! I was impressed. All this put together allows us great flexibility. We can slow down and prolong the harvest season, create an ideal storage space where the temperature is just right all through the winter and the natural humidity is ideal to keep everything in situ, ready to pick. Lumina! I exclaimed delightedly. Ghost pumpkins! I've only ever seen those in pictures before. Make sure you taste it while you're here then, Risha chuckled. Why don't we bring one with us and I'll cook it for dinner if you care to join me. Tonya, do you mind carrying it? Not at all. Risha produced a net bag and a small folding knife from a pocket and cut down a white pumpkin. We practice crop rotation and companion planting as well, and allow the soil to rest for periods too, as a thank you for feeding us with its abundant gifts. Risha put her hands together like a Y, giving thanks and honouring all that was grown all around us. I know crop rotation, I said. What's the other one? Some vegetables, herbs and flowers benefit each other by improving the soil. Those with deep roots bring up nutrients from deep down to the surface for the others. Roots at different levels also mean that they will not be competing for water and other nutrients. Others deter pests from one another. It's an old way of doing things, really. Very clever, I said. Produce is seasonal, of course. No point in trying to grow things the wrong time of year if you want the best out of nature. But there are some pods that, with the help of additional solar panels and lights, allow us to grow culinary and medicinal herbs all year round. Everyone in Cordoba, and most of the Republic, has an extended growing season with a day-to-day -day harvesting of seasonal vegetables. Together with old-school preservation techniques and the traditional freeze-drying that has been practiced for centuries, we're pretty much covered. We're locally self-contained for the most part, self-sufficient when it comes to food, and have been for a very long time now, to the continued irk of those who'd rather sell us their products. Note, products, not produce. Packaged in plastic or frozen, or in cans, grown far away who knows how long ago. Using what methods, under what conditions, with who knows what kind of added preservatives. Ridiculous, Risha snorted. Food ought to be as fresh as possible and natural. Food products, they call it. What a ludicrous concept. More like food imitation products. Just the words make me cringe. Either it's food or it's not. That's my opinion. I could only agree. Risha had a good point, and followed her towards the door. The humidity was making me feel clammy. It reminded me of Mexico in the rainy season, and not in a pleasant way. Higher altitudes can and certainly used to be, pretty inhospitable, not to say inaccessible during the winters, just like the lower basin during the rainy season. There are plantings of potatoes and other tubers of all kinds and colours outside of town. 
I've seen over a hundred varieties in my time. There are also lots of varieties of corn, mostly grown further down, as it's difficult to grow successfully at this altitude. It's not something you want to grow in pods. It takes up too much space. Outside, in the fresh air, we met with bleating. There are no cows here, but as you can see, goats are pretty common. Risha chuckled and pointed at the cluster, looking hopefully at her. I sometimes give them some goat goodies when I've been weeding and whatnot. Nothing for you today, sorry. She secured the door carefully behind us. As if she'd read my mind, she answered my unspoken question. There are no cows this high up. There is not enough for them to eat most of the year, whereas goats and pigs and chicken eat almost anything. There are also llamas, kept for their wool, of course. Our food is predominantly vegetarian. Hard cheese is produced further down in the Amazon basin, where the climate is supportive of dairy cows. Cordoba, on the other hand, is well known for its goat's cheese, with or without garlic and herbs. Rightly so, it's amazing! The Republic is a curious mishmash of pockets of microclimates, from the hot and humid to the arid and frozen. Depending on variations in altitude, latitude, and of course the unprotected expanses in the highlands, the temperature fluctuates greatly. Sometimes it's possible to go through and experience all seasons in one day. Freezing cold in the night representing winter, temperate in the early morning, warm or even hot at midday and early afternoon, and cool and windy in the late afternoon. All in the same place. And I thought London in April was extreme, I joked. If you look, some of the houses are built into the ground, like in the olden days. Others have what looks like foundations made of glass bricks. It's not glass, but it allows in daylight. If you view those buildings from the other side, you will find that many of those are where people who keep animals house them. The basements are where they shelter at night and in bad weather. Anyway, have a close look at the top of the pod. Touch it. It is slightly breathable too, if you can imagine such a thing. I did. It felt almost like the texture of fronds, belonging to some of the more unusual ferns grown in horticultural gardens back home. That or rough-textured rice paper. There are also vents all around that open to give access for bees and other pollinators. She pointed at what looked like little hatches. I was wondering about that, Tonya nodded. Amazing. We have a beekeeper here too, but as it's winter, the bees are getting some seasonal rest. Water is the one commodity in demand here, and all the pods and houses collect rainwater in water butts and underground reservoirs that is then filtered and piped out to everyone collected to the water net. There are also water distillers around. They look like little turrets, but most of the year they are not that effective around here. Shall we continue? Tonio and I nodded. We are not producing the material for the pod tops right here, but if we head to the school, there is a permanent exhibition that will show you roughly how it's made, and some samples. It can be made thick or thin, stiff or more flexible. It is strong and durable, as it has to survive the weather all year round, and we do occasionally get some impressive storms. You've mentioned solar technology a lot. Yeah, I haven't seen anything resembling our solar panels. Not that they have to look the same, Tonio said as we left the school library. You wouldn't, unless you could fly or knew where and what to look for, Risha chuckled. Come with me. 
Tonio and I looked at each other intrigued. It was also fascinating, and yet I could feel my receptors for absorbing all of this were fast approaching mental overload. I took a few deep breaths. From the vantage point on top of the three-story seed bank, we could look out over the roofs of some of the other buildings. All I noticed was a lot of roofs the colour of weeping willows. Well spotted, Risha said. What do you mean? Oh, Tonio said. I don't know why it didn't occur to me that they wouldn't be blue and panels like the ones in Mexico. And the rest of the world, I said, catching up. Over there, Risha pointed. Some places like to use their walls. If you crane your neck, you can just about see the local substation over there. It just looks like acrylic paint, I said. That's because we don't use solar panels as others do. Roofs, for example, are waterproofed as normal, then given a generous coating of a special resin-based paint, onto which goes what looks like a net the size of your choosing. That is then covered with more resin that insulates and protects it from the weather and connected to the grid. Voila! Instant solar energy non-panel. Fantastic! I've seen the future and it's green! We chose a colour that blended inconspicuously with the surroundings, that's all, Risha said. Really, it could be any colour. I've seen red in Laja. Because it's often used on rooftops, it contains tiny specks of some material to absorb and attract the heat of the sun into the receptacles themselves. What are those exactly? Tonio wanted to know. Can't tell you, Risha replied. I don't know, and I doubt that even if I did I would be allowed to say, but I might be wrong. Almost everyone feeds into the local equalizer station. They are everywhere throughout the nation and have more powerful storage facilities. These in turn feed into the main and supply everyone connected with access to however much electricity they need free of charge. During a big storm there are sometimes planned power cuts in the afternoon, but you already know that. Everyone is aware of this protocol and mindful how they use it at a time when the recharge is low. If a storm is considered moderate and expected to last less than three days, there is usually no need to economize and no disturbance. Risha opened the roof door to the seed bank and let us back in. It was nice to get out of the wind on the roof. So, to summarize, free energy has allowed for a peaceful development and our own brand of prosperity. There are still some who could, by modern standards, be considered living in poverty, but overall health is very good. And are there doctors and hospitals when it's not so good? Health clinics and treatments are free, of course. Of course, I thought inwardly. One of my bugbears in life was that it ought to be free, everywhere for everyone. I turned my attention back to what Risha was saying. And as a relatively big, forward-thinking nation, it was not easily swayed. It held clout and served as an everyday inspiration for integrity. The same integrity allowed no one to make decisions other than on the grounds of what would be best for everyone concerned, the land included. Short-sighted solutions were, and still are, frowned upon and discouraged, especially if the consequences are doubtful or uncertain. The decision to reject new technologies such as to modify things genetically was a big debate that was eventually adjourned on the grounds of insufficient data. We could not see how messing with Pacamama's perfection could improve on what we already had. Everything here is done with ecology at heart. 
No added chemical enhancers. We have an immense biodiversity, thanks to centuries of careful seed selection, preserving as many varieties as possible, including traditional varieties of corn and quinoa. There are hundreds of different varieties of indigenous grains, seeds and nuts, tubers and vegetables, not to mention fruit and berries. Organic heirloom heaven, I thought to myself. No wonder everything you put in your mouth was a taste explosion and made you feel alive. The solar pods minimize the risk of drought and frost and has allowed the growing season to stretch into the winter in areas that had previously been considered too cold or arid. Indeed, I managed lamely, just to have something to say. No, I really did feel overwhelmed, but in a good way. This whole day has been amazing. Thank you so much for the tour, Tonio said. I think my head is about full right now, and I need to digest this before I explode. Of course, of course. And when you have digested it, please feel free to ask any questions that have come up. Careful, I laughed, also feeling mentally stuffed. By tomorrow he'll be back with a long list of follow-up questions. Tonya looked a bit sheepish and panic-stricken, questioning if he linguistically missed a social cue or something. But Risha just smiled warmly. I look forward to it. It's not often I get a chance to share with such an attentive audience. I tend to go off on tangents. How about we do dinner tomorrow evening instead? Then you'll both feel a bit more rested. Good plan, Tonio said. As long as it involves that Lumina pumpkin in some form, I'm up for it, I said. I'll see you both sometime after seven, then, as I'm teaching tomorrow. Can I bring anything? I asked. Ooh, she makes a mean cream brulee over apples, Tonyu said in a theatre whisper. Sounds good, if you don't mind. Of course I don't mind. I'll see if he can find all the ingredients, I teased Tonyu. I'll have a good evening, then, and don't worry too much if you can't. But it would be fun to try something new. I'll sort something out. Hasta mañana. Andino Andina is written, read, edited and produced by me. Copyright Liz Rosales, 2014 and 2021.